0: Amen. How many of you over the last couple of weeks, probably about six weeks if you've been here, you've been really challenged to grow up as a believer? Amen. 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 More challenges coming today. Amen. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, we We will be be a strong and strong and and mature church. We will. We'll be a strong and a mature church. That doesn't mean we'll be a perfect church. But it does mean that we're going to be a church that is committed to living in in victory, right? We have to grow up. I was thinking about this yesterday. For those of you who were in the group and saw that Tina told us to come work out and you didn't work out, boo to you. (laughs) Because today, those of us who did come and work out, we... Got the opportunity to stretch some muscles that some of us don't normally stretch. So this morning, Pastor Edwin and I we were talking about how sore our legs were. I asked Sparky. I said, "Sparky, are your legs sore?" He said, "Nope, no, why? His legs aren't sore. This is a part of his life." So in the beginning, when you're growing in the Word, there are some things that are going to be sore to you. There are some things that are going to be uncomfortable, and they're going to be painful to you. But if you keep doing it, guess what? You'll be like Sparky. You sore today? Nope. And so we have to grow up if we're going to be victorious. We're using our same hashtag from last week, hashtag prevailing church, hashtag FOC. For those of you who use social media, we want to, um, social media is just a great tool to be able to share, um, what God is doing in FOC and what God is doing in your life. And I think the other week Angel was sharing and she had people inboxing her, asking her for the confession that Jean may, and like people's lives are being changed. And people need to know, you know, the Bible tells us to go ye therefore into all the world. Well, we have a, a means to do that that they didn't have to do back in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Like we have social media where you can go into all the world. And so if you use your social media for something powerful to change lives, amen? So our hashtag again this morning, our um, hashtag prevailing church and hashtag FOC. So we talked about how FOC is a prevailing church. We talked about how the whole body of Christ should be a prevailing church, right? That means that the church should be a place of victory. Tell your neighbor, say the church should be a place of victory. That means that you should come one way, but you shouldn't stay that way. It means that you may come, but like a year from now, you ought to be stronger than you are today, right? and and if you've been coming to church for a year you ought to be stronger in some areas than you were last year right and so in order to do that we have to be pushed and it's so cool that we had this CrossFit workout yesterday because one of the things that we can acknowledge Pastor Edwin and I walk but one of the things that we acknowledge is that when we walk by ourselves we don't necessarily push ourselves the way that a CrossFit workout would push ourselves right well some of you love God but you don't necessarily push yourself to grow up the way that a prevailing church is going to challenge you to grow, push yourself and grow up. And so it's very important for us to make a decision to put ourselves in a position to prosper. Why? John 10 and 10 says that God came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to live the good life. It says, but you have an enemy who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Listen, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your economic background is. I don't care where you grew up. You are a human being and the enemy hates you. And he is looking for any opportunity that he can to destroy you. And you know what he uses most? I told you this last week. He uses your flesh against you. He uses your flesh against you. Have you ever noticed that angry people seem to get in conflicts that nobody else gets into? Angry people. Why? Because the thing in them draws them to things that will destroy them. You see what I'm saying? Have you ever known somebody who every time they pick somebody today that's a bad person? You're, because you're always drawn away by what's in you. So the whole purpose of hearing a word that would challenge you to grow up is you begin to be able to identify what it is on the inside of you that the enemy would use to destroy you, right? So let's look at Matthew 16, 13 through 19. We use the same, some, some of the same scriptures we used from last week. And I get it. It's not always easy um, You know, here's what I think we need to say to people that's really the truth. That getting saved is not the end. Getting saved is actually the beginning. And you know why God saves you? To do surgery on you. And so really, it's more effective to say that the church is, than to call the church a hospital. We really ought to say it's a surgery center that it's a place where God brings you in order to work on your heart so he can work on those things in your life that the enemy would use to keep you from fulfilling your potential. So let's look at this. It says, um, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, Whom do men, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said unto him, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say that thou art Elijah, and others say that thou art Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, For whom, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Go to verse 18. He says, And also I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now let's go back to like verse, let me see verse 14. He says, "So." Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, hey, who, wh- wh- what's the buzz? What, what do pe- who do people say I am? And they start saying all the stuff. This is who people say you are. People say you're Jeremiah. People say you are Elijah. Some people even say you're John the Baptist. And he says, okay, cool, but who do you say that I am? Because you got to remember that at this time, they had been walking with Jesus for at least two years, right? So he's like, you've been walking with me. Now who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter, who's always getting in trouble, he's known. I mean, he's like known for, you know, he's the one who cuts the ear off of the soldier, right? And Simon Peter is the one who denies Jesus, and he's the person who walks on the water, and he sinks. So Simon Peter has a lot of experiences, but the thing about him is that he's willing to go out on a limb, and and so God can do something with him. And so Simon Peter says to him, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him, and he says, Blessed. What have we learned blessed means? He says you're empowered to prosper because you know this. So number one, what you need to understand as a believer is that when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, there ought to be some empowerment on your life. There should be some empowerment on your life. There should be something distinctively different about you than the people who don't know the Lord. You may be equally smart, but you ought to have the advantage of the anointing. You ought to have the advantage of the presence of God and work in your life. And so then he says, thou art the son of God. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And he says unto him, he says unto him, um, he, says, up, uh, he says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, upon this revelation, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Last week we talked about the word gates. Whenever we see gates in the Bible, what does it mean? Authority. You should write that down so you remember that because gates are in the Bible a lot. Whenever you see the word gates, it always represents authority. It says, I am giving you a revelation that will stop hell from prevailing in your life. Now, that ought to be something that you ought to be excited about, right? He said, so here you are, you live in this world. There's sickness, there's disease, there's destruction, there's tragedy, there's trauma. But I am giving you a revelation that if you catch hold of it, hell can't do with you what it want to do. That's why it ought to be our expectation. Our marriages won't be, we won't end in divorce. We won't be a statistic. Our kids won't do the same stuff that we did. It ought to be our expectation. Hey, we're growing our kids up in the Word. Man, our kids aren't going to do the same things that we did. How many of you want your kids to do the same stuff you did in high school? Most of you like, absolutely not, right? But you got to have a revelation of the authority you've been given as a believer to stop the works of hell against your family. Amen. So it says, when you read about gates, it means authority. We did these three points last week. I'm going to go over them again. It says you are empowered, which means empowered to prosper when God reveals Christ to you. So there is an empowerment that comes when you accept, G- accept Jesus. And it's more than feel good. Like, it's really important for you to understand this. Like, this is going to make some of you mad, but we're in a good pruning season, so it's okay. Um, God isn't really concerned about your happiness. Because happiness is temporary. God is interested in doing work that produces joy in you. Because you can be happy at 9 o'clock in the morning and by 9, 10 be aggravated, (laughs) right? God is not interested in your happiness because in truth what makes you happy and me happy from moment to moment is subject to change. He is interested in producing the power of God in you that produces joy. Joy is this peace, this consistency that knows no matter whatever I'm facing externally, it doesn't stop who I am internally. And it reminds me that no matter what I'm going through today, it is not my forever. Amen? I may be going through today, but I'm not going to build a house here. And so because a lot of people need, have measured their life on happiness, they don't do the work it takes to grow up. And so they do what they feel like doing instead of what they need to do. Because here's the revelation I had at CrossFit yesterday. I need to go to CrossFit. I don't just need to walk. Because CrossFit challenges me in a way that don't make me happy when I'm doing it. It didn't make me happy. Now, some of y'all look like y'all was happy. I was not happy. I just, wa- I just wasn't going to be the first one quit. And sometimes you need to hang with a group of believers that what's happening to you don't really make you happy, but you just like I'm not gonna be the first one to quit. I'm gonna keep going to something, grow up on the inside of me. I ain't gonna be the first one to quit. You look around hoping somebody go quit, but as long as they don't quit fast, and you go quit, you ain't gonna quit fast. As long as they keep praying, you go keep praying. You need to hang with people who bring the champion out in you, not people who let you be mediocre. And see, the problem with the people I went yesterday is that they got champion oozing all through them. I was not going to quit. I was going to pass out first. I promised I was going to pass out. <laughs> I thought I'd go pass out a couple times too. But that ought to be your mentality spiritually. It ought to be your mentality spiritually that who you are today is not who you will be on December 1st and who you are on December 1st is not who you gonna be on January 1st. And instead of making excuses about your humanity, you're going to start talking about how powerful you are in Christ Jesus and maybe what your humanity can't master, the power of God can. Amen. So you are empowered when God reveals Christ to you. Number two, The revelation of Christ is the power and authority on which the church is built. If the church is not built on the power of God, we are just a good morality school. The church should be more than a morality school. I said this last week. You should not want to go to a church that you can live any kind of way and don't nobody know you live any kind of way. I don't want nobody in my business. Good, I'm going to talk to you about that later. There's some scriptures that talk about people who don't want nobody in their business. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says if you won't open yourself to instruction, you're a fool. Because you don't know everything. And you need some people who are going to help you grow up and to give you instruction. Have you ever met somebody who knows everything? Now, maybe that's you. Don't raise your hand and say it's you. But if you've ever met somebody who know everything or they think they know everything and they really don't know everything, and it's like the first time you're showing them how to do something, they see you one thing, they're like, I got it. I got it. No, you don't have it. Right? None of us have it when it comes to growing up in God. There are still some things we all need to do to grow up. Number three, this is my favorite one. The depth of your relationship, I mean your revelation, the depth of your revelation will determine what hell is able to do to you. See, champion believers aggravate other believers. Just like champions aggravate real people. Have you ever noticed that? Champions aggravate the mediocre. Have you ever noticed that if a team is the best, whoever becomes the best team, that all the average people start to hate them? I don't mean you hate them because that team was a robbery of your team before. I mean it's just something on the inside of some people that hate a champion. And the moment somebody becomes a champion, they want them to fail. It says a lot about you if you want champions to fail. It says that you don't identify yourself as a champion because champions like it when champions start taking territory. And so what we want to be is we want to be the kind of people that we start to grow up in God. That we get us some endurance and some resistance and some ability. And really, I love it because if you read Corinthians, you will see that the Apostle Paul makes a lot of correlation to exercise. And after yesterday, I got a fresh experience on why. Why? Because here's the thing. Just like when you go to work out, you have to press your body. When you go to church and there's real teaching, you have to press your body to sit, to hear, to stay focused. You'll go to the movies and not go to the bathroom. And you'll go to church and 10 minutes into the message, your body starts saying, you got to go to the bathroom. You got to go to the bathroom. Check your phone. What we going to have for dinner? What we going to do next? It is your opportunity to discipline yourself to grow up because if you don't get endurance, you'll never be able to live as a champion. A lot of times when you have evenly matched teams, what determines who wins is who has the greatest endurance and the strongest mentality. It is the person who refuses to lose. You got to make the decision that you refuse to lose. Maybe your money funny today, but you ought to be like, that's not going to be my story forever. And maybe my marriage is struggling today, but that's not going to be my story forever. And maybe whatever is going on in my life, but that will not be my forever story because I'm doing the work to change it. Amen. So once we have accepted Jesus as part of the, of the church, we, be, we become a part of the body of Christ and the church, and we are called to join with a local ecclesia. A ecclesia is just another word for church. We're supposed to be a part of a church, and not a church that makes us most comfortable and not a church that makes us feel warm and fuzzy, but the place that God calls us to, the place that makes us better. When you leave church, if you don't have something in you that wants to be better, You either in the wrong place or you got the wrong mentality. So let's look at some things. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be victorious? Do you want to be fruitful? Then get used to being pruned. Go to John 15. Like if if you want to be successful, if you want to be victorious, you have to get used to being pruned. Those of you who've ever been involved in any, any athletic um, pursuit, any, any athlete, athlete athletics, music, anything that required practice and work, right? One of the things that you will notice is that the better you get, the more they talk to you about the little tweaks you need to make. Like you'll do something amazing and you want your coach to clap and you'll clap, your coach is like, yeah, but what happened is, it used to happen to Tay all the time in basketball, coach would be like, yeah, but what happened is you didn't really block out like you needed to. And she'd be like, why are you only talking to me about blocking out? Because he's trying to make you a champion because you already know how to score points. Now you need somebody to help you do the part you don't know how to do. And so if you're going to be successful as a believer, you got to get used to being pruned. And that's one of the reasons that we keep doing all the work we're doing. Do you struggle with somebody being in authority over your life? Do you struggle with submission? Do you struggle with obedience? Are you rebellious? Are you stubborn? Why? Because everybody knows you cannot coach people with those qualities. Some of the best athletes in the world could not make it to the next level because nobody could tell them anything. And you're sitting in here with great and tremendous potential. And what determines how victorious you're going to be in the body of Christ is whether you can take instruction. Tell your neighbor, say, most of the stuff that God tells you, you won't like. Here's how this whole thing works. Here's the whole setup of the kingdom. The Lord says to you, he says, hey, you are going to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, right? You are going to prosper, you are going to be in health even as your soul prospers. And we go, yay, because we want to prosper and we want to be in health even as our soul prospers, right? And then he says, oh, you want to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers? Quit eating all that sugar. Mmm. I want to prosper. I want to be in health. I want to eat my sugar. I want to have a good relationship, and I want to look like those people on TV and have hearts drawn around my bed, but I want to curse them out whenever I want to. I want to prosper. I want to be in health. I want to be wealthy, but I don't want to sew. I want to be wealthy, but I want to go to the mall every time they're having a sale. Just so you know, when you don't have money, sale doesn't make it any better for you. It doesn't make it any better for you. It was on sale, but you didn't have the $50 to begin with. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to get used to being pruned. God will say to you, he'll say, hey, this is what I'm going to do in your life. Listen, I have learned that when God says, hey, this is what I'm going to do in your life, you should just put your raggedy clothes on because now that means the Lord is about to start talking to you about all the stuff in your life that's going to interfere with you getting. Because he's like, here is how the enemy's going to come at you. You want to be full of health? You got to eat better. Can't drink five sodas a day and then wonder why? You're not losing weight. I don't eat that much. You don't, but you drink 2,000 in calories every day. That's why you don't lose weight. You can't out eat a bad diet, but I'm going to try. I mean, you can't out work a bad diet. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to go on a sugar diet. Those are the things. I'm using something very plain but because you can all relate to it. That God says or the expert says this is the way to do it and the rebellious nature in us says got to be another way got to be another way or if we're like obedient for a little while anybody know what it's like to be obedient for a little while like you're obedient for a little while you do what the lord tell you to do and the pressure starts to get off and you start to make progress it's like when you say you're gonna lose 20 pounds but then you lose 15 and then you start to feel good about yourself and then you start eating cake again (laughs) then you start eating cake again right So, we have to get used to being pruned. We have to develop the kind of character that understands that because God loves us, He's going to talk to us about us. You'll be trying to pray about your spouse. The Lord will be like, I don't really want to talk about them. I really want to talk about you. Well, I don't want to talk to the Lord. I'm calling my best friend because my best friend will talk about him with me. I want to talk about my boss oh, no, no, I don't want to talk about your boss. I want to talk about how you could respond more effectively to your boss. Mm, amen. I want to respond more effectively to my boss. I don't want to respond more effectively to my boss. I just want to get promoted or transferred. And then you get promoted or transferred, and you end up with a boss just like the last boss that you had because you didn't learn the lesson. Tell your neighbor, say, the lesson you don't learn, you don't learn. You'll, see again. you'll see again. Turn and tell your other neighbor, say, for real, the lesson you don't learn, you will see again. John 15. You just keep seeing it. And this is what I always say about God. God is so good, he won't tell you that you're in the fifth grade for the 15th time. He just, he just keeps sending you a different teacher. Different teachers show up, and you like, and then he, sometimes you don't even recognize it's the same test. you got to begin to say to yourself, the children of Israel, they, took a thir- they were supposed to be a 13-day journey, I think it was, 20-day journey, whatever it was, and it took them 40 years. And it took them 40 years because they kept murmuring, complaining. Now, they've never been there before. The Lord would say, go this way. They say, why should we go this way? So we don't want to be that way. John 15, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So the goal of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to cut off everything that is not fruit fruitful I'm going to give you an example of it have you ever been in a situation where no matter what you're praying about the Lord keep talking to you about one thing that's the branch he's trying to cut off you want to talk about money and promotion and vacation he will to talk about attitude you know what I'm talking about have you ever been in that situation before That's when God is trying to prune you. He's like, I'm talking to you about this because this is the thing that is going to hold you up if you don't deal with it. And if you look back over your life, this is the thing that has held you up in the past. Amen. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Go ahead. Let's make this confession. Say, Lord, Lord, feel feel free to cut me up. And if you get used to being cut and you realize that the cutting is for your good, you won't fight the process so much. God is just trying to help you. He's just trying to help me. Let's look at the next verse, verse 3. It says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know this, when you get flowers and you cut them away, I don't care how pretty they are, the moment you cut them away, they start to die. Don't pull back from the Lord because you don't like what he's talking to you about. Don't pull back from the place you're called to because you don't like what we're talking about. Stick in and grow up because then three months from now we'll all be stronger and healthier and more victorious, right? Because do you know, like let's just go back to something as simple as diet. That in reality, a lot of the sickness that we pray about, if we clean up our diet, we wouldn't even have to pray about it. Like type 2 diabetes is preventable. It's based on what you put in your mouth. Do you know why we struggle with what we put in our mouth? Because we're not disciplined. Do you know what we struggle, why we struggle with what comes out of our mouth? Because we aren't disciplined. You only cuss because you're not disciplined. And I know because there are people who cuss every place but some place. Every place but some place. And if you can cuss every place but some place, you could curse no place. But in some place, you put on your extra discipline. And then in other places, you take it off. Some of you go off at home in a way you would never go off at work. You know why you go off at home like that? Because it's tolerated. At work, they call the people on you. They be like, no. Come, yeah, we need you come take them. And so you want to be a disciplined person because disciplined people are victorious. And here's the thing, you have to assign joy to being a disciplined person or it's going to be grievous to you. Like, I found that a lot of people who eat right, who eat really, really clean, they don't necessarily love to eat clean. What they love is the results of eating clean. So it's like there are things we have to learn how to do, not because we actually love the process of it, but we love what the process produces in us, right? that makes sense so let's go to Romans 12 1 and 2 we usually just go to t- Romans 12 and 2 but today we're gonna look at 1 and 2 y'all learn anything today say I'm growing, I'm growing up so I you know I can just tell my own stuff so those of you know you know that my other job my day job is that I'm a life coach I teach people how to live their dreams right so when I left CrossFit I was like I really need to join this place not just any CrossFit, I need to join this place. But that means I'm going to have to drive 25 minutes to work out, right? So then I started justifying in my mind how I could just go somewhere else, right? But then I started saying to myself what I would say to my clients is that if you're serious, you'll find a way. Then I started thinking about, I drive to Bentonville three times a week to take my daughter to dance. So I'm willing to drive to take my daughter to dance, but I'm not willing to drive or I'm trying to find a way out of driving for the thing that I know I need to do. See, one of the things as parents is that sometimes we don't do the things that the Lord is telling us to do. Then we'll we'll We won't make a sacrifice he's asking us to make for ourselves, but we'll make it for our kids. And then sometimes God gives us an instruction because I feel pretty clear that the Lord told me to join that CrossFit up there. Why am I saying this out loud? So that people can hold me accountable because if I don't say it out loud, you're not going to know and I'm going to be walking on my street instead of in CrossFit, right? That's part of being free is being able to admit, here's a thing I struggle with. And if I'm going to get over it, I got to be transparent enough to say to you, this is what I should be doing so somebody can hold me accountable for it. That's why if you struggle with certain addictions, you ought to tell some people. Because they'll help you. You struggle looking at other women, tell your wife. I bet she'll help you. She'll help you get free. She will help you get real, real free. She'll help you find you some freedom. Spiritually and naturally, she will help you find some freedom. Immediately. You struggle with lying? You struggle with lying? You know how you get over lying? When you tell a lie, just start saying, such, 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 I'm lying. I'm lying. I bet you'll stop lying. I'm lying. I don't know why I just told that lie. That's people who get free live in extreme ways. Such, such, I'm going to, I'm lying. I'm sorry, I'm lying. I don't know why I'm lying like that. Now, people look, look at you crazy, but you'll stop lying. Your mind will say, Don't tell that lie because you have to tell them that you're lying. <laughs> you can free yourself by putting yourself in a position to be free, but you don't get free staying entangled with bondage, which also means that sometimes to be free, there are some relationships you got to change. Listen, if you want to be amazing, you can't hang spend a bunch of time with pitiful people. You can't hang. I mean, listen. I know they like. Well, you know, everybody need help. Maybe everybody need help, but that don't mean you call to help them. Just because they need help don't mean you're called to help them. And there's some people y'all just bad together. And when you when you together, things get worse, right? You can't help them. You got to step back, go find you some help, and believe God for somebody to send them. If you are not happily married, you cannot think you're going to be happily married hanging with people who don't like their spouse. You just not. Even if y'all okay, you go over there with them. They talk about how much they hate their wife, their husband. You drive home. you talk about, by the way, I don't like when they do that. No way. I mean, you, you just have to know. And listen, if you like your job, you can't hang with people who hate their job. That stuff will start getting in your heart, and then before you know it, you like, oh, I hate it here too. You know the job that you pray for, the one you ask us to fast with you for, the one you sow seeds for, and now you hate it because you hang with people who are negative and mediocre. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's look at this. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you do what? Present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Do you know? It means you are alive, but you constantly dying. It means you are constantly submitting yourself to the Lord. So you want to say this, and the Lord says, don't say it. You're dying because you don't say it. You want to go here, the Lord says, no, you don't go here. So you're dying. You want to eat this, the Lord says, no, you don't eat it. So you're constantly presenting yourself as a sacrifice that is alive, but a sacrifice that is killing itself in order to honor God. And see, the challenge is is that people keep thinking God going to make you do something. Let me tell you something. Any kids in here? Look. All right, so God is not going to stop you from being you. Don't raise your hand. But you ever slept with somebody you know you shouldn't sleep with? Uh Uh-huh, all right. Don't raise your hand. All right, don't raise your hand. And, you know, and if they weren't your spouse, you shouldn't have been sleeping with them just so we clear, okay? But you ever slept with somebody that you shouldn't have been sleeping with? And you know you shouldn't have been sleeping with them, and you actually heard the Lord say that you shouldn't do this. Don't nod your head just don't knock your head don't knock your head don't just say law. just say law, right do you notice that the angel Gabriel did not come in there and sweep in there and separate you he did not now some of you wish he had but he didn't why because the Lord will not force you to obey him he will just keep presenting opportunities for you to obey And then after you're like, Lord, why you let me do that? I told you to stop even while you was doing it. Same thing. When you cussing somebody out, the Lord don't just tell you to stop before you cuss. Why you cussing? He be like, you should be quiet. You should stop talking. Shut your mouth. Walk away. No, I'm going to say this because you don't know me. I ain't getting how do we get here? Because you didn't present yourself as a living sacrifice. You have to be willing to die to yourself to live in victory. Amen. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as to God, which is your what? Amen. Reasonable service. Around here we say reasonable service is C-work. It means that it is just your reasonable service that the person who died for you that you would do what they asked you to do. And that really needs to begin to be the expectation that that we set with. Why wouldn't you obey the person who died for you? You couldn't die for you. So why wouldn't you obey the person who died for you? You expect your kids to obey you, don't you? You didn't even go to the cross for your kids. But I went through labor. I expect my kids to obey me. So it's your reasonable service to obey God. Say that. Say it's my reasonable service to obey God. See, we're going to shift the whole dynamic of what it means to be a believer. It is my reasonable service to obey God. It don't make me a superhero believer when I obey God. I'm not an A student believer when I obey God. I'm just a C student when I'm obeying God. It's the least I should do. It says, and don't be conformed to this world, but do what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can do what? So you can prove what? So even when God is saying, present your body, transform your mind, it's only so that you can live the good life. Say, God is always for me. God is always for it's just like this. It's like if you, Thanksgiving is coming up, so some of you will have an opportunity to test this. There are foods that your family is going to cook that you know don't agree with you. They do not work with your body anymore. And you're going to have a chance to decide, oh, that smells so good. Oh, that's looking. Oh, it's just Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm just going to eat a little bit. But you ain't got a spirit of a little bit on you. You know if you eat a little bit, you ain't got that on your life. You you, you, you don't have no management on your life like that. So then you're going to eat it. Then about 30 minutes later, you're going to be like, oh, I got this sour feeling on my stomach. Like, you know what you should just decide on November 8th? This year, I'm not going to do that. That is me offering myself as a living sacrifice. I got high blood pressure. I am not going to go home and eat seven pieces of ham. (laughs) I'm a borderline diabetic. I will not sample every um, dessert that's on the table. I'm talking about how to be free. I know y'all want deep stuff, right? But I'm talking about for real. You want to be free? You don't want to be 30 taking medicine for the next 80 years of your life? Then you got to treat you. You got to learn how to cut something off right now. But it looks so good. Just because it looks good don't mean it need to go in your mouth. This is what we talking about growing up, right here. I know, like, what? Well, when we go get to the real stuff, this is the real stuff, right here. This is the real kingdom stuff, right here. Because I'm just gonna help you. I'm, let me help you, right? If you can't defeat a piece of ham, how you gonna defeat a devil? I mean, I mean, if you if, if you can't if you can't overcome pound cake and ice cream, how are you gonna overcome a spirit of depression? So you discipline yourself in these natural things so you are equipped in spiritual things. In fact, in Proverbs it says this. It says put a knife to your throat. It says crucify your flesh. Not someone else is going to come and crucify. You, crucify your flesh because if you crucify your flesh you can live in victory. The Bible says it like this it says that if you seek to save your life you're going to lose it. You don't even realize that you're trying to save the moment by eating this food. Save the moment by sleeping with this person. Save the moment by smoking this weed and you losing your life for a little fun in the moment but you know I, I, I work hard. I deserve this. Your blood pressure say you don't I'm not really, and I love. I really love when I'm going through because I can tell the truth about myself. People like, I'm not really fat. I don't eat that much. You really fat, and you really eat that much. Because if you didn't eat that much, you lose weight unless you have a thyroid problem. If you don't have a thyroid problem, you really fat because you really eat that much. You. This is how we. Well, why does this matter? Because when the enemy seeks to destroy people, what he, there are two things he's going to work with, your mind and your body. And if you eat any kind of way, you're an easy target for the enemy. He can cut off your destiny just making you sick. If you're a person who can't master your mind, then he just wear you out with depression and anger. You either depressed, angry, or offended every day. You can't hear the Lord talk about destiny because you depressed, angry, or offended every day. Somebody always looking at you. Somebody always did something to you. Those are indications that we have to grow up. I walked in the room. Didn't nobody speak to me. Did you speak? Did you speak? Maybe they just didn't see you. Maybe they just don't know you. I don't think she liked me. Why? Did you do something to her? Did you do something to her? Why would you walk in the room and assume somebody don't like you? Because there are things in your mind that need to be transformed. Say, we are victorious people. Are victorious. All right, we just got two more scriptures, and then we're going home today because I felt like we had, um, stuff like this is hard to hear. I mean, don't if I want to hear that. Your flesh don't want to hear that. Your, your flesh just want to be like, we going to be blessed in 2016. Yeah. Shout hallelujah. Uh, we go, no, not that we don't live right, you're gonna live the same life you lived before. I mean, it's true. Our flesh just wants the party. Ooh, the blessing of the Lord is all over this place. What about what you got to do to even receive the blessing? you like, Lord, if I could just get me a million dollars, you treat it like the hundred thousand you got right now. Because until you change on the inside, everywhere you go, there you are. You drink cheap Walmart wine now, but if you had a million dollars, you'd just be bragging about how you're spending $10,000 a bottle on wine because it's what's in you. Let's go to Romans 12 and 8. I, know, I mean, listen, listen. I don't, when the Lord say this stuff to me, I'll be like, this is what I say to the Lord sometimes I say. I really want to preach. Um, I want to preach cloud preaching and like fairies and fun stuff you know what I'm saying I want to just be like and you get a car and you get a car and you'll get a car and you'll get a car that's not the assignment of my life he'd be like you want to be victorious you got to grow up teams that are going for the championship right now they living differently than teams who just trying to get a 500 record they live living differently. It's different when people are going for the championship. We don't do what everybody else do. It ain't about whether it's going to send us to hell. It's about whether it will release hell in our life. <laughs> Let's go to Romans 12. He says, I don't like this translation. Find me another translation. Let's try. Um, and it's, I'm sorry. I mean Hebrews 12 and 8, but I still don't like that translation. Try the um, New Living Translation for me. How I many of you want to be free? The Bible says the Lord desires truth in the inward part. So part of being free is that you just got to admit. You guys got to tell the truth to the Lord. Like I say stuff to the Lord like this. I say, look, Lord, I really, really, really want to not eat so many sweets. But I really like sweets. I need you to help me not like sweets. So the Lord say this. He say, you know they only got sweets and bliss cupcakes. Don't go in there. <laughs> Don't go in there. Why are you in the bakery at Harps? Why are you in the bakery? None of the stuff you need is in the bakery. All the stuff you need over there is the fruit and stuff. The reason the fruit isn't sweet is because you keep eating the cake. That's why the fruit isn't sweet, because you keep eating the cake. You, I know I got high blood pressure. Why are you at the barbecue place? All the meat they got is pork pretty much. You know you're not getting no chicken sandwich barbecue. What are you doing? Go to Jason's Deli or somewhere. So it says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does with all his children, it means that you are what? Illegitimate and what? And not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers, some of us, because we have them, other of us got other issues that need healing there. Since we respect our earthly fathers who discipline us, should we not all the more, should we cheerfully submit? Now, how many of you can say we are, you need to grow up on a cheerful submission? I, I, right, so here's an error we can all work on for the next, me, the next month. Let's joyfully submit. When the Lord says you no know, to X, you just be like, okay. Because as parents, you get salty when your kids have a bad attitude when you tell them no. you like, what, what you looking like that for? Because they sad because you said no. Practice that in your response to the Lord. Now, let's go to the King James Version now, because I, the King James Version. And we're going to end here. You're like, woo, we ain't got a church. This hurling a long time. It's because my leg's tired. I'm tired. let's <laughs> <laughs> going to the King James Version. I love this. I love this right here. You have to read it nice first, but you, this translation, let's read it together. Ready, read. it said literally, if the Lord can't tell you nothing, you're not really a son. You can't just be, and, and, and this is a mark of illegitimate children, that illegitimate children want their father to give them prizes but not instruction. Illegitimate children be like, I need you to pay this for me, but you don't have a right to correct me. I need you to take care of this for me, but you can't tell me nothing. And the Bible says that if you, it says, it says, which we are all partakers. It means that if you're in the family by God, you get checked. That's what it means. It says no matter how wonderful everybody else thinks you are, how amazing you think. In fact, there'll be situations where you will think what you did was amazing and the other people will too. And the Lord will say, yeah, I need you to fix this right there. I need you to fix this right here. We, are you children of the Lord? Do you want to be, Would well, you act like you didn't know. Let me ask again. Are you children of the Lord? Yes. yes. Do you want to live the good life? Yes. Then let the Lord correct you. I believe that one of the reasons that we have such a hard time being corrected, two reasons that we have such a hard time being corrected in this generation is that, number one, we have so many people who have grown up fatherless. And fathers correct differently than mothers. And it, fathers correct differently than mothers. And I didn't grow up with my father in my home. Even sometimes now when Ellen corrects my kids, I'm like, you go going make me bust you in the head. You can talk to my kids like that. But a lot of that has to do with not growing up with a father correcting you. And fathers and mothers correct very differently. And sometimes people who haven't been fathered want, to be, want God to father them like a mother. You want God to talk to you like your mother would, and that's not how God talks. God fathers because his goal is to give you identity and to grow you up. And one of the biggest challenges that we have is that we have tried to make things so palatable for people that we don't tell people the truth. For example, we make every, we, we say everything so you're living together. No, you shacking. We making love. No, you fornicate. We we, uh, we 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 just free have sex outside of marriage. No, you whoremongers. And because we don't put any steam with it, there is nothing to correct. It's like I'm free. I am free I you know, I mean literally just a couple of months ago we had the whole walk of shame be made us so we gonna celebrate the walk of shame. You missed the video. It was out there, it was all over the internet, like walk of shame. You know what the walk of shame is. When, the day, the morning after, walk of shame. And there was a whole video celebrating how amazing it is to be a woman on the walk of shame. Instead of saying the truth of it is, at some point, you all now want to be the sampler platter. At some point, you ought to get tired of somebody sampling you. Somebody ought to pick you. You ain't going to sample me to death. You right. You you listen, listen, listen. You are worth more than the treats that they put out at Sams on Saturdays. Everybody just walk by and pick one. That's not who you are. But when you don't know that, then you keep dabbling hoping you go get a commitment. And no and these men in here if they are honest they will tell you, don't no man pick a wife. Because she do all that stuff that Cosmo tell you that if you do, that's how you get a husband. That ain't how you get a husband. When a man pick a wife, he looking for somebody he can build something with. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, me and y'all ought to be here. I'm telling, men pick somebody they can build something with. They want a woman who make them better, and a woman who bow down. J- don't ain't go make them better. He done not took you on two days and you washing his clothes, girl. Boo. But when you know that you're worth, you don't let people treat you that way. And the same thing for you, men. Here's what the Bible says: Don't give your strength to a wicked woman. <laughs> No, I'm trying to help you because I'm saying that when you understand, here's the reality. The measure of your manhood is not how many women you sleep with. It's that the fact that you take care of your kids. I saw a manhood at CrossFit yesterday when I watched guys who could have partnered up with each other partner up with their kids. That's what manhood looks like. Manhood looks like that when we get, that we don't have to ask you to watch your kids. That's what manhood is. Not how many people you can sleep with. And I'm telling you that when you know your worth, you will stop giving away your strength to people you can't build nothing with. Then you wonder why your destiny is delayed because you keep dating chicken heads on both sides of that. I I talk to y'all like I talk to my kids. Listen, I'm going to tell you this about marriage so that everybody can understand this. Marriage is a covenant relationship. The whole purpose of marriage is exchange, right? So what the enemy does is that he deceives you into thinking that you don't need to exchange with anybody, that you're okay by yourself. But the whole strength of marriage is that you are stronger together than you are by yourself. And when you keep giving your strength to everybody, that's why you're so weak because you're constantly dividing yourself instead of pouring yourself into somebody and they're pouring themselves into you. But let me also say this to you. Men, if you sleep with women and then they have babies and then you're not with them, you can't be mad because your next generation is nothing. You produce that. And as women... I'm fixing, on, I'm fixing up, I'm fixing it up, I'm fixing up. Hear me, and some of you are going to think this sounds bad, but it's women. Part of covenant is financial security. And once you're older than 21, you ought not be giving up your goodies for an inheritance that you can't take if they die. <laughs> now, I- I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Here, here's the benefit. Of, I don't need to be a wife. The enemy is deceiving you. The enemy is deceiving you because here's what happened. You give him your strength and then he dropped dead. You can't even get his social security. His mama can keep you from coming to the funeral if she wants to. I'm telling you, you have to value yourself better than that. You ought to value yourself better than that. And you certainly ought not be a woman. And you're giving up your good thing and you can't pay your rent. That's a whole nother conversation we could talk about a whole nother time. You go sin, repent, and cry and have to beg for money for your rent? I'm just telling you. And those of you who are men... You should not live like that because one day you're going to have a daughter and then you mad Guys, how many of you in this room right now are hoping to God that you can raise your daughter in a way that she don't let a man do her like you did her? I said, how many of men in here will admit that you are hoping you can raise your daughter in a way so that men will not do a woman, do her like you did a woman? That's right. That's right. That ought to be your goal. That's how you break curses. That's why you have so many people now who jacked up, don't know how to be married, don't know how to be victorious and stuff, because you're doing things that are beneath you. It's beneath you. It is beneath you to let somebody sample you. It is beneath you, king, to give away your strength to a peasant. It is beneath you to do that. And, and and you we don't build a strong next generation doing that stuff